Welcome in to Ally Radio for this Friday, November 3rd, 2023. I'm Noah Glick, Executive Editor of SierraNevadaAlly.org. We are back from our two-week hiatus, and we've got a big show in store for you. This week, we're exploring how the lack of decorum and dignity in public discourse spells trouble for democracy and one possible path forward. Then... We'll head to Eastern Nevada to learn more about a proposed mine that is hoping to extract vanadium. That's a critical mineral like lithium, but vanadium could hold the answer to more long-term grid-scale renewable energy storage. Our science and technology reporter Scott King tells us more about this resource and the project. But before we get into all of that, let's start with some headlines. A Nevada man has been charged with one count of threatening a federal official after making death threats against U.S. Senator Jackie Rosen. According to reporting from Reuters, John Miller left a series of messages with Rosen's office in October threatening to assault, kidnap, or murder Rosen. In one message, he vowed to, quote, finish what Hitler started, end quote. Rosen is Jewish and told reporters earlier this week that she, like Jews around the world, are feeling under attack. The comments from Miller came in the days following the start of the conflict in Gaza between Hamas and Israel. Three of the largest casino operators in Las Vegas have one week to come to a deal with service workers from the Culinary and Bartenders Union, or else they face a labor strike. The Culinary Union set a strike deadline for next Friday, which would affect 35,000 hospitality workers in Sin City across 18 casino resorts. If no agreement is reached, the strike would happen just one week before Las Vegas hosts its first Formula One event. More than 100,000 fans are expected per day during the three-day event. Culinary union workers have been working on an expired contract since September 15th. Workers have been picketing on the Strip and are looking for higher wages, more safety at work, and language around technology. When the bipartisan infrastructure law was passed in 2021, many observers touted the legislation as the biggest investment in climate change. And in the first two years, more than $4 billion has been invested across the Mountain West. According to data from the Department of Interior, around half of that $4 billion has gone to water rights settlements for tribes. In Nevada, more than $91 million has gone toward restoration projects, including habitat improvement and connectivity for Lahatan cutthroat trout. The Department of Interior has an interactive map on its website for those interested in seeing more details on what investments have been made. More Ally Radio after the break. Hi, I'm Noah Glick, executive editor with the Sierra Nevada Ally, and it is an important time for us. We're in the midst of a fundraising campaign as part of Newsmatch. Thanks to support from Newsmatch and the Loud Hound Foundation, all new reader donations through the end of the year will be matched up to $1,000 each. That means with your help, we can turn $15,000 in new reader donations into $43,000 to fund our nonprofit independent journalism. Learn more and show your support at SierraNevadaAlly.org. It's Ally Radio. I'm Noah Glick. There has been a rise nationwide in people acting inappropriately toward public officials, and that could lead to an ineffectiveness of government. Earlier this year, Washoe County Commissioner Mariluz Garcia had enough of what had been months of disrespect from the public during county commission meetings. 
Here she is at the end of the July 11th Board of County Commissioners meeting. Three minutes to talk about an agenda item. Address the body as a whole. No personal attacks. No irrelevant statements. No unduly repetitious comments. These are basic rules for respect and decorum. However, these rules are not being followed. She was referring to a recent trend of residents acting hostile during public meetings. Many hurled insults and interrupted proceedings from the crowd. Others harassed and intimidated county staff. And many commentators leveled personal attacks rather than policy critiques. It's not about me. You can throw all the punches you want at me. But your attitude and your behavior in chambers day after day for the last six months, this is not okay. Our community is better than this. Garcia noted that public servants were resigning rather than dealing with the harassment from community members. But this is not just an issue in Washoe County. It's nationwide, across elections offices, city councils, and even school boards. Kurt Thigpen was elected to the Washoe County School Board in 2020 and resigned the following year due to medical issues he was experiencing from stress, due in large part to negative treatment from the community. You know, I it received a lot of harassment behind the scenes, folks reaching out to me on social media. My uh, address and phone number had been doxxed, and so it just got really uh, scary there for a while. During Thigpen's short tenure on the board, he was dealing with COVID-19 mitigation issues, which included masks and hybrid scheduling. He also was dealing with false claims about critical race theory being taught in schools. However, he says community members weren't coming to meetings to talk about these issues or to propose solutions, but rather to intimidate and threaten staff. Somebody brought a gun into one of the board meetings, which has been uh, well documented, and we had a safe room at that point you know, that we would go to if something were to happen. The impact of this lack of decorum has affected more than Thigpen and his own health. He says he witnessed a staff member break down in tears over fears of what could happen at one of these contentious meetings. This rise of vitriol toward public officials and the subsequent rise of resignations also has an impact on the ability of government to function. At one point in 2021, the Elko County School Board had five of seven seats vacant due to resignations, and the board had to cancel an October meeting that year due to threats of violence. Sandra Cosgrove is a history professor at the College of Southern Nevada. You can see it all the way from people not wanting to to show up at a school board meeting and doing public comment to our elections department not having enough people to run an election. Or, you know, a school not having enough people to open the school or the planning commission may not be able to actually function to make sure development is happening. With an election year fast approaching, Cosgrove says it's critical that elections departments are fully staffed and workers feel safe. I know Joe Gloria, who is the registrar of voters here, he resigned because the stress was hurting his health. But it was not just him. It was also, you know, people who just work in the office, the people who are making sure voter registration is taken care of. According to reporting from the Associated Press, more than half of Nevada's top election officials, as well as several staff members, resigned between the 2020 election and 2022 midterms. And a University of Chicago study found that more than one in four Americans feel so alienated from their government that they believe it may, quote, soon be necessary to take up arms against it, end quote. Nevada Secretary of State Cisco Aguilar championed a bill in this year's legislative session that makes threats and intimidation tactics against election workers a felony. That bill, SB 406, was signed into law by Governor Joe Lombardo in May. 
While new policies can be passed and offenders can be admonished or punished for their actions, what else can be done to bridge divides in this hyperpartisan and divided political culture? One potential solution is called the Dignity Index. It's a project of Unite, a collaborative effort with the goal of bringing people from all walks of life together to solve problems. Tammy Pfeiffer is Chief of Staff and Vice President of External Affairs with Unite, and she presented the Dignity Index to the Washoe County Board of Commissioners late last month. What role can we play in addressing the toxic political divide? And people will say, well, the problem is obviously immigration. And other people say, no, the the problem is obviously the national debt. Well, actually, the problem is abortion. The actual problem is the contempt that bubbles up when we have discussions about areas where we disagree. The index scores public speech on a scale of one to eight. Lower scores between one and four reflect divisive language rooted in contempt, while higher scores between five and eight reflect language grounded in dignity. The group presented its work to the Washoe County Board of Commissioners in its October 24th meeting. Pfeiffer told commissioners that the index is designed to be a check on our own behaviors and language. For example, referencing people as MAGA Republicans is at least an automatic four because it shows contempt toward a person or a group of people. Pfeiffer says people should disagree all the time, but the way we do it matters. And she outlines a handful of ideas to keep in mind while having these hard discussions. First one is to be curious, not furious. Find out why people think the way they do. That's a seven. The second one we've listed here is regulate, then debate. When you start to get upset, pause and take a breath before speaking. Listen to hear, not to respond. Challenge ideas, don't attack people. Acknowledge knowledge. When someone else makes a logical or interesting point, acknowledge their point. After hearing the presentation, Commissioner Garcia acknowledged that she could also do better in how she responds to criticism and debate. She shared a personal story of a time that she had to bring her daughter to work due to a snow day, a day where dozens of commenters showed up to speak out against drag queen story hours at county libraries, which was not on the agenda that day. Her daughter later asked her, why do so many people hate drag queens? And my response to her, I rated myself as a three. My response to her was, baby, there's a lot of people in this world that hate things that are different than them and things that they don't understand. What I should have told her as I was walking up those stairs is they are feeling this way because of their own lived experiences and backgrounds. But guess what? Mommy has a meeting with them. I'm meeting with two people in the next couple of days. I'm going to sit down with them. I'm going to hear their perspective. and I'm going to listen. And that's what I should have told her. Commission Chair Alexis Hill wrapped up the meeting, saying she would like to add language in commission rules around dignity inspired by the index. Former Washoe County School Board trustee Kurt Thigpen also hopes to see better civil discourse from residents, so more people feel empowered to serve rather than scared. You know, we just have, as a a community, need to make a, a concerted effort to welcome diverse opinions and not tear each other down. Um, you know, for those things, because it's everyone's right to come and give public comment. All I ask, and I'm sure other people ask, is that you do so respectfully, you know, with civil discourse in mind. You know, that's what democracy is all about. You can learn more about the Dignity Index and take the pledge at dignityindex.us.
One of the ongoing challenges to large-scale renewable energy development and deployment is the lack of a consistent, reliable way to store this energy. Lithium-ion batteries are the technology of choice currently, but those come with limitations for grid-scale storage. As the Sierra Nevada Allies' Scott King reports, a project in Nevada could help shore up domestic supply of another critical mineral, vanadium. When the United States Geological Survey listed vanadium as a critical mineral in 2022, the announcement came as a public acknowledgement of the metal's emerging value for the U.S. Vanadium has historically proven to be an essential mineral commodity for industrial and aerospace applications. But as it stands today, the vast majority of the United States' supply comes from foreign countries like Russia and China. Now, at a time when demand for the critical mineral is growing, a new market for vanadium is also emerging. Grid-scale storage. Ron Espel is the president of Nevada Vanadium. Probably 80 to 90% of the vanadium consumption currently is for steel production. And um, a very small percentage of vanadium, like 2% vanadium, literally doubles the strength of steel. But there's been a growing interest in on the battery side with the vanadium flow batteries being able to provide grid level storage, power storage. A perennial challenge for renewable energy development has been and continues to be long duration grid scale storage. That's because renewable sources produce energy at times when demand is low. When the sun shines or the wind blows, energy is generated. But it's usually not consumed until the evening hours after the sun goes down. Vanadium, however, has properties that are conducive for long-duration grid-scale energy storage. Terry Perlis is the director of U.S. Vanadium, a vanadium processing company. He says with increasing financial incentives for renewable energy development, the market for vanadium flow batteries appears to be maturing. Uh, vanadium flow batteries uh, have been around for a long time. If we go back to 1990, there were efforts to commercialize these batteries. Uh, the problem was there wasn't really a good market for these batteries. But what's happening now is we see the confluence of the development of the technology to build these batteries with the advent of a true long-duration storage market at the grid level. As a battery source, vanadium has different characteristics compared to its better-known counterpart, lithium-ion batteries. Lithium is conducive to short-term battery applications, like smartphones and electric vehicles. But Perlis says vanadium could be more suitable to the long-term storage needs of power grids. One of the problems with the lithium-ion is the fact that you see capacity fade over time. If you're looking at a grid-level battery, you're investing in a technology for 20 or 30 years. With a lithium battery, after about 800 cycles, which is going to be about three years if we cycle this battery every year, um, you're going to have to start replacing 20 or percent or more of those cells every year because of this issue. While known to be generally safe, lithium-ion batteries can be a fire hazard if damaged or not stored properly. A vanadium flow battery, however, does not seem to share these risks. With the vanadium battery, of course, it's uh, primarily water. But the life of the battery will be defined by the life of the pumps and the plastic uh, piping that, uh, that are part of the, the kit. The vanadium itself just changes oxidation states and uh, never is consumed. There's also economic potential for vanadium, at least in Nevada. The Gibellini Vanadium Project has been proposed for development in Eureka County. A record of decision from the Bureau of Land Management is expected by the end of this year.
The BLM recently issued the final environmental impact statement for the mine, which is overseen by Nevada Vanadium Mining Corps. If approved, Ghibellini can become operational as soon as 2024 and will be the first domestic mine to primarily extract vanadium. Despite its potential, there are still concerns around the mining operation. Traces of uranium have been detected at the site. That's in addition to common mining-related issues, such as groundwater depletion and contamination. Espel, however, says that Nevada Vanadium has developed solutions to mitigate these concerns. Creating yellow cake, which is the most stable form of uranium, has the least um, potential impact on human health or transportation or from a spilling standpoint. And um, it also has the highest resale value so that we can actually be able to sell this material as a secondary product. Fish Creek Ranch is where we're going to be getting our water from, which is just five miles from the property. And um, by using the surface water source, um, we have no impact. That water would be diverted from hay production, about one pivot of hay, is about what uh, we'd be taking away. A spell says the Ghibellini mine is projected to be powered with renewable energy. That's a somewhat novel and unrealistic approach in the traditional mining industry, and one that federal regulators have been encouraging from the beginning. Nevada Vanadium has entered into an agreement with Hitachi Energy to meet this request with elements of the very resource it aims to advance, vanadium. One of the things that we had from a previous company was a design for 6 megawatt solar field with a 10 megawatt vanadium flow battery to be able to provide 100% of the, of the mine's power needs. We dusted that off and uh, brought it up to date. We um, put together the, a proposal for an alternative to the EIS to, to incorporate the renewable um, aspects into this. We actually signed a an MOU with Hitachi Energy to be our technology provider and do the all of the designs of the microgrid system technology to be able to integrate our renewables into the existing power grid. A hybrid vanadium-lithium battery is unique in that it provides the short-term power capability lithium offers with the long-term storage capacity of vanadium. Perlis says this hybrid battery shows real potential. It's a good concept. If you think about mines, typically they're located in somewhat remote areas. And so getting power in there is, is an issue. And to the extent there's wind or solar uh, in conjunction with those projects, the, you know, this vanadium battery is a perfect match. Uh, we can produce the power whenever the wind blows or the sun shines, but we can deliver it uh, at a very consistent rate to the, to the plant uh, using the battery as the buffer. Perlis says these emerging applications for vanadium means that demand for the critical mineral is expected to accelerate. The battery space, there's forecasts that uh, uh, suggest that by 2030, we're going to need 180,000 metric tons of vanadium per year going into these batteries. And just for uh, scale, the global market today is about 125,000 metric tons of vanadium. So we, in essence, have to... uh, more than double the supply base over the next seven years to to meet those forecasts. Vanadium, however, can be difficult to procure, a driving factor in its listing as a critical mineral. In the United States, vanadium is either imported or obtained as a byproduct of other mining operations and chemical recycling. But Espel says the Ghibellini mine will tip the scale toward a more direct domestic supply chain that may meet the expected surge in demand. Right now, about 99 plus percent of the vanadium is imported from Russia, China, South Africa are the major producers right now. And this mine will be able to produce approximately 50 to 60 percent of the current consumption of vanadium in the country. So basically going from zero 
to 50 or 60% domestically produced vanadium. A spell says while they wait for the BLM's record of decision, Nevada Vanadium is finalizing other formalities in permitting before seeking financing. We haven't set up any offtake agreements yet for the, uh, for the vanadium. You know, we're still finishing up feasibility studies and, and other permitting for the project. But uh, as we go into um, project financing, we'll be looking at potential offtake agreements. So uh, obviously our, our focus is domestic consumption of the vanadium. A spell says if the Ghibellini vanadium mine moves forward as proposed, Nevada's position as a critical mineral and renewable energy leader may be further solidified. Nevada prides itself on developing as an, as an energy state. And so not only is it, is it good for Nevada from a development side, but the idea of um, the diversification in Nevada's economy to, to other minerals other than just, just gold provides better economic diversification for the county and for the state. Terry Perlis with U.S. Vanadium agrees. He says the Ghibellini Vanadium Project's operations would be coming at the appropriate time. There's plenty of incentive out there right now to support the ongoing development of uh, renewable energy sources. And, uh, you know, as they grow, the need for this, this sort of storage capacity in the grid just continues to grow. So, so everyone's familiar with lithium, but, you know, if we want to move forward, we have to think about new technologies. And this is, this is a technology whose time has come. Reporting for the Sierra Nevada Ally, I'm Scott King. That's going to do it for Ally Radio this week. A big thank you to Scott King for joining the show. But before we go, let's wrap up with This Week in History. On this day in 1969, President Richard Nixon addressed the nation about the prospects for peace in Vietnam. For the United States, this first defeat in our nation's history would result in a collapse of confidence in American leadership, not only in Asia, but throughout the world. Three American presidents have recognized the great stakes involved in Vietnam and understood what had to be done. This speech is often referred to as the silent majority speech because he said that despite protests against the war, a majority of Americans supported his policies. Now let's finish up with our trivia question of the week. The University of Chicago conducted a poll last year that looked into civility in American government. It found that many Americans feel so alienated from their government that they believe it may soon be necessary to take up arms against it. So our question this week is how many Americans feel that way? Is it 10%, 25%, 30%, or 45%? You've got 10 seconds. Go. The answer is 25%. The report also found that a majority of Americans agree that the government is, quote, corrupt and rigged against everyday people like me, including 73% of those who identify as strong Republican and 51% who identify as very liberal. KNVC-FM 95.1 Carson City is an independent, non-commercial community radio station that exists to engage, inform, and entertain. It provides a bridge between you, the citizen, and the larger community. 
KNVC strives to reflect the diversity of the local and world community and to provide an outlet for individuals, groups, issues, and music that may have been overlooked by other media. Show your support for our partners at knvc.org. Ally Radio is a partnership between the Sierra Nevada Ally and KNVC Carson City Community Radio, which broadcasts the show Fridays at noon. Support for our work comes from our readers and listeners at sierranevadaally.org and knvc.org. You can keep up with the latest news and information from the Sierra Nevada Ally at our website, sierranevadaally.org. While you're there, show your support with a financial contribution during our Newsmatch fundraising campaign through the end of the year. All new donations, up to $1,000 each, will be matched. You can help us turn $15,000 in new reader donations into $43,000 to help support our work. You can do that at our website, sierranevadaally.org. Ideas, corrections, tips, you can send them our way. Email me directly at noah at sierranevadaally.org. I'm Noah Glick, and until next time, let's be good to each other.